Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been a couple weeks. How you been, man? What's going on? Pretty good. Uh, we tried to record the other night, but I fell asleep and you texted me and forgot. So here we are on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, just about two weeks after we last hit record after a national championship game. I've been pretty good. Uh, hanging out, man. The offseason has been pretty eventful so far, though, for the ACC. I will say that. It really has. We we do have a lot to cover here. Not not in the least because, uh, yeah, we might have perhaps forgotten to record the other night. Uh, do not ever let anybody tell you that this is not a professional podcast, by the way. Correct. We are 100% professionals. 1,000% um, even. <laughs> uh, Mike, we got a lot to cover here, so let, let's hit on some stuff quickly. Uh, first and foremost, big news came out this past week. Uh, the schedule for the 2019 season has been released by the ACC. Um, kind of some interesting quirks here. Um, I, I think one of the things I'll point out is Notre Dame has their requisite five games on the schedule. Uh, they play five ACC teams, four of whom play nobody the week before, and the fifth of whom plays Old Dominion the week before. That's so, convenient. Yeah, uh, it's it's convenient. It's it's a start. Um, beyond that, uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech going to play opening day of the season. It's a Thursday night game on the ACC Network to get the season started. Uh, there's a big slate of openings of uh, week six. Will be a kind of a a light week there. The first week of October, where six different teams will be on a bye. Uh, Virginia Tech has two FCS teams on the schedule. Uh, North Carolina and Wake Forest playing in a technically non-conference game. And Duke found a way to get both Alabama and Notre Dame on the schedule in the same year. Uh, So have fun with that, Duke. Yeah. um, Virginia Tech actually has three FCS teams on the schedule, if you count North Carolina. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Duke somehow figured out a way to play Alabama in the opener. And um, Notre Dame, that's not going to go well. And, um, oh, the slate of coastal games that includes a season-ending game with the Miami Hurricanes, who will definitely be better next year, probably. So, mm. um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whew. What else? Miami opens with Florida. That's going to be fun. That's bold. That's That's bold. That's real bold. Um, Florida State opens with Boise State, which is also bold. Real bold. Uh, real bold. And that's going to be pretty much a de facto home game. They're playing that in Jacksonville. That is a weird, weird opener. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Joey. Uh, I mean, you, you referred to week six with all the open dates. Um, congratulations to Georgia Tech on being the sacrificial lamb to open up the year. I just get it over with. Just get it over with. Just rip, just rip the bandaid off early. I like it. Uh, what else do we got here? What else do we got here? North Carolina plays South Carolina in the opener. Fun. Uh, that was why? Why that was it. I don't. I mean, it's a good out of conference game, I guess, but I don't know that it it feels a little bit like a, a just a you're signing yourself up to potentially lose a game where you don't necessarily have to, like there's not enough to gain and there's a lot more to lose. Shout out Marquise Williams. <laughs> Thanks um, to lose such a point. possession in the red zone. Multiple times. Several uh, times. Yeah. Yeah. And North Carolina somehow made the ACC championship that year. That was, mm-hmm. that was a weird, weird season. Um, 20. Weird. Yeah. 20. Is that 20? 14 now? 16 16 15 i think 15 is when duke won the conference or won the yeah. won the division which speaking of weird times 
Yeah, that was another strange season. Uh, oh, a little tricky game for Wake Forest in their opener against Utah State. Oh, yeah, that's a losable game. That's 100% losable, especially if you don't know who's going to play quarterback for Wake Forest. Yep, yep. Uh, anyway. I want yeah. to point out some some savvy end of season scheduling here for Virginia. So first of all, this is a a year where the calendar falls kind of weird, where every team gets two bye weeks. Um, if you look at the last three games for Virginia, they get obviously Virginia Tech there the uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, but before that it's Liberty, and before that it's a bye. So mm-hmm. you get an off week and a half basically before you play your rival. That's uh, Pretty clever scheduling. Meanwhile, Pitt or, uh, or Virginia Tech will be coming off of a five-game stretch of at Notre Dame, Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, at Virginia. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Virginia's going to be a little more healthy than Virginia Tech will be for that one, just for what that's worth. They'll need it. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I was going to point out and that a lot of Georgia Tech fans noticed was – uh, one of the things that Paul Johnson always complained about for Georgia Tech was that there were like an, you know, an overwhelming number of conference games that he would play where the opponent would have a bye week the week before. This year, ACC teams that play Georgia Tech coming off a bye, I, I guess Clemson, if you count, you know, preseason as a bye. Whoops. Other than that, nobody. So I don't know if that's a – Paul Johnsonism that you know now that his offense is gone now nobody needs a buy or what but yeah uh, thanks ACC for hooking us up with that one I don't mind how the schedule falls for Georgia Tech here um, and mm-hmm. here's why so you have a tough game in the opener you're going to lose um, unless just Clemson just doesn't show up mm-hmm. um, you have South Florida in the Citadel then you have a bye week then you have Jeff Collin list. Collins list, Collins list, Temple, Manny Diaz list, Temple, Manny Diaz list, Temple on the road. Gotta like their chances there. North Carolina is your first coastal game. Like your chances there mm-hmm. at Duke with at Duke without Daniel Jones. Like mm-hmm. your chances there at Miami becomes your first real, real tough game after Clemson, in my opinion. And that's not happening till week eight, Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia Tech has a great chance to be five and one entering that game at Miami. And if you win that game, you get another bye week. Um, they really, really need to win all three of those games against USF, the Citadel and Temple. They really need all those in, in year one under Collins with a new offense and all that. I mean, they there's not going to be a lot of margin for error next year for Georgia Tech if they're going to make a bowl game. I I would agree. Um, but I think all three of those games are winnable, Joey. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all three of those games are winnable. Um, you know, you get USF and the Citadel. I mean, the Citadel is the Citadel, but you get USF and the Citadel at home. Um, at Temple is an interesting game, but it's after a bye week, and they're replacing a head coach with, you know, your head coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think the schedule actually falls pretty well for Georgia Tech. Although the the back stretch of the season, you got Virginia Tech, NC State, and Georgia <laughs> to finish the year, right? So you got yeah. kind of you got kind of a lull. You got kind of a lull in the middle of the year. Then you got Virginia Tech, um, who you know I I'm not sure how good they'll be. They'll be better than they were this year for, by virtue of schedule alone, you would think. But um, you know, NC State. How I mean, that's on a Thursday. How good are they going to be without Ryan Finley? That's that's a real question, but that seems like it would be a tough game. And then Georgia is going to be real good, like sure. they like they are. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I like how the schedule falls for Georgia Tech. I think there's opportunity there to to get to eight or nine wins in in year one with Jeff Collins. I know that sounds like a lot, but there's certainly opportunity there, especially if you're able to beat Virginia Tech again, which happens a lot now, unfortunately for me. Um, you win a couple of those games like NC State or Duke that, you know, we don't really know what those teams are uh, now heading into next season, replacing all the talent that they are. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like the way it sets up for Georgia Tech, Joey. I really do. Uh, Interestingly, that NC State game they play, uh, the Week 13 matchup is a Thursday night game. That's actually NC State's second Thursday night game of the year. Uh, They'll be traveling to Atlanta for that one after they host Syracuse in Week 7. Uh, on a Thursday night. 
So several weeknight kind of games. Uh, what else we got? Weeknights. Tech's Virginia, got fr- two Friday games? Yeah, Virginia Tech gets Duke at home on Friday at the end of September before Virginia on a Friday at the end of the year. Uh, Pitt is hosting North Carolina on a Thursday. That should be fun. A little uh, Thursday night ACC action. Uh, also, Louisville against Notre Dame uh, to open the year. That's on a Monday night. That's on Labor Day night. So uh, that'll be a bit of a marquee matchup to get the year started for Scott Satterfield and the Cardinals. Speaking of new coaches getting the uh, sacrificial lamb. Status. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. it's not worse than playing Alabama in your opener, which they've done that before. Yeah. That <laughs> turns out. I, I don't remember that happening. Um, I, I think I... Might have missed that game. I don't know. I was going to say, you don't remember it happening, and neither do they. I remember Alabama showing up for like a track meet or something, and, you know, Louisville kind of looking around like they weren't sure what was going on. But yeah, I don't know if that was a game or not. It's hard to say. Yeah. Jawan Pass. Woof. Puma. Um, Yeah. Puma. Emphasis on the poo there. Yeah. Real bad. (laughs) Real bad. Uh, Mike, that's all I got on the schedule. Uh, Let's move on. One of the other big pieces of uh, news that we've got, we've got a finalized list of early NFL draft entries. Oh, yeah. Uh, representing the ACC, uh, some notable names here, Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson, Joe Giles Harris and Daniel Jones out of Duke, uh, Jacoby Myers out of NC State, Anthony Ratliff-Williams out of UNC, uh, William Sweet also out of UNC. Uh, da, 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 good podcasting. Uh, Brian Burns out of Florida State. Hamp Trevers, Hamp Sheevers out of Boston College. That's a real name, and that's that's going to be on the all-draft name list. Uh, and, he's pretty, and he's a pretty good player, it turns out. Yeah, not bad. Oh, and uh, Mike, you know what it's time for here? What time is it? It's time for the newest edition of the Dorch Report. Greg Dorch will be leaving Wake Forest and going to the NFL. Uh, this has been your final edition of the Dorch Report. That was quick. Yeah, yeah. Sad to see him go. I didn't even know he was old enough for this. I thought he was a freshman last year. Uh, but in any case, he's he's good. He'll be really good for the NFL, I think. He'll do well. Yeah, that's uh, a smart guy. Kelvin Harmon out of NC State. He's going to the draft. Travis Homer out of Miami. He's going to the draft. Joe Jackson also out of Miami going to the draft. Real good. Yep. Trey Lamar, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Uh, Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. That was a little bit of a surprise for me. but Yeah, that's an interesting move there. He had a bad, he had a really good back half of the season though. So um especially in the playoffs, it was really good in the semifinal and pretty solid in the national championship. So get mm-hmm. out while your stock's really high, I guess. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's not uh that's not an exhaustive list of ACC guys going to the NFL draft, but it's uh, almost exhaustive of the guys from the ACC that are leaving early to go to the draft. So Right. I'm exhausted uh, thinking about it. Yeah, several big names there that have become household names on both sides of the ball. I mean, really, you think about it, not only now is NC State losing their offensive coordinator and their quarterback, but they're also losing their two biggest wide receiving threats. You know, probably two of the better receivers in the ACC. Uh, They're taking off for the draft. A lot of defensive talent from Clemson in particular. Duke probably losing their best player on defense as well as a quarterback that's going to get drafted in the first round for, you know, better or worse. Um so yeah, lots of uh, lots of talent I think leaving the ACC for the draft this year. But on some level, you got to say it's it's a good thing that the conference has that level of talent to be lost. Completely agree. And one thing I'll throw in here, I'll throw out a Notre Dame name real quick because this guy seemed to terrorize like a lot of different ACC teams this year. Julian Love at defensive mm-hmm. back also seems relevant considering how bad Notre Dame was in the uh, in the semifinal game in the Cotton Bowl against Clemson when he left. Um, mm-hmm. You know. A lot of ACC fans paying attention to that game will remember how that turned out for Notre Dame once he left. So he's mm-hmm. going to the NFL, which uh, you're an All-American defensive back. It's not a huge surprise, but he'll be going. So uh, yeah, I think he'll be able to hang there. He should. I. I he should be okay. You know, he should be yep. all right. Yes, d- decent player. Uh, yep. Clemson has to replace like their entire defensive line as we, their whole front seven. Yeah, which we thought was going to be the case last season, but then you know, this year happened. Yeah, yeah, those uh, those chickens came to roost at this point. So, but at some point, you start looking at at them and hearing some of the talk about them. You know, as Dexter Lawrence gets suspended and there's an injury here and that kind of thing. Like, 
they've got the talent to replace them. They're, this is a, a full-on reload, not not a rebuild on defense for them, especially with, with the coaching they're going to get um, from Brent Venables. I mean, they're they're in good shape moving forward here. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're loaded. I mean, plenty of talent. They'll be all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, let's move on. More individual player news. This time, also players leaving their schools, but going to another school. Mike, is the transfer portal. Are you stoked with the transfer portal? That's players entering the portal. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. it's the portal. Keep an eye out. Yep. Uh, ACC players in the portal. Uh, Kelly Bryant leaving Clemson, going to Missouri. Uh, we've got Jordan Travis also uh, leaving Louisville. He's heading to Florida State. Uh, James Blackman leaving Florida State. He uh, has not yet decided where he's going, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, Amir Rasul, running back out of Florida State. He's going to be transferring, yet to be determined where. Uh, Jeff Thomas, transferring from Miami to Illinois. Oh! oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he's not. What happened? Apparently, Jeff Thomas was transferring to Illinois, and now he's not, which this happened, like, really late in the process to the point that I thought he would have already been enrolled at classes in Illinois, but somehow he's not, and he's oh. back on South Beach. Oh, no, he he's transferring. It's just the new Miami, Joey. Uh, oh, as, yeah, yeah. As Manny Diaz has coined. Yeah, he, he's transferring back to Miami, right, from, from his old program of Illinois. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, that happens to the best of us. I, I understand that. Right, okay. Very good. Uh, let's see, who else we got? Sean Savoy from Virginia Tech. But that Sean was like, Savoy's transferring. That was a mid-season thing, so um, not exactly new news. Yeah, um, yeah, he announced that probably early November or something like that. Yep. Um, RJ Proctor's transferring offensive lineman from Virginia. Uh, Cameron Good, defensive lineman from Virginia Tech. He's heading to UCF. Jonathan Greenard, uh, defensive lineman from Louisville, is going to Florida. And Trayvon Hill from Virginia Tech. He's transferring yet to be determined where he's going. Yep. Uh, dismissed, dismissed from the team, and then away you go. Yep. Uh, same for linebacker Rico Kearney out of Virginia Tech. This is, the, this is going well for, for my Hokies. Yeah. <laughs> A lot, lot more players going out than coming in, it looks like. Right. Um, and finally, another Jonathan Greenard uh, from Duke going to UCF. Or, excuse me, that's Jordan Hayes. I don't know what – yeah, Jordan Hayes from Duke going to UCF. I don't know what the hell this ESPN article is doing, listing him with a different name. But Another Jonathan, another Jonathan Greenard. There's two yeah, of them. That's, that's uh, good journalism yeah. for you. Yeah, not our fault, though. Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, we have one other major transfer into the ACC, Mike. Your boy Tathan, Tathan oh, Martell, and that is a real name. I promise. I'm I'm gonna throw up. Tathan Martell transferring from Ohio State to Miami. He's a quarterback. He was a uh, a blue chip kind of guy. He was a like a five star quarterback, I believe. Um, he made some comments at, at Ohio State a couple weeks ago about how you know he's not a, he's not afraid of competition, and if Justin Fields wants to transfer here, like you know why would I run? He's taking a single snap here. Blah 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 blah. Justin Fields transfers there, and like three days later, Tathan Martell is out. Um, yeah. That was, that was back when we thought his name was Tate. Right. Only to find out it is, in fact, Tathan, Mike. Tathan, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he seems like a real tool, so he'll fit in well at a school that I hate. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get the, you know, the good teammate vibes from him. Um, right. Or the mature adult vibes from him at all. Right. Um, I definitely get the, you know, not quite 21 years old vibes. As he, he turns 21 here later this week for what it's worth. Um, everything I've ever heard around this guy, and I remember kind of when he was being recruited, um, he was originally committed to Texas A&M, I believe, and, and decommitted. But there's just been a lot of um, – What's the right word here? A lot of conversations that he seems like he's been involved in and statements that he's made and things like this that really give me the diva vibes from him. So I don't know. It's it's. I'm starting to wonder, you know, if, if he's been at Ohio State for two years and now he's going to transfer to Miami and I, I don't know. I, I don't get the impression that this is going to be some like real game-changing quarterback situation at, at Miami. Um, at the very least, they'll have a new coach there to help support him, but – I don't. I don't know if this really changes the game for the Canes. Uh 
It, uh, I don't know. I, well, first of all, a lot of this hinges on whether or not he's going to be immediately eligible. So he's, I guess we should mention that. So he's applying for immediate eligibility instead of sitting out a year like NCAA rules require. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what, ha- we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I think this could be good for Miami. I just don't know if it'll be good for Miami next season. Cause I don't know if he's going to be on the field right away. Um, also it's, kind of wide open at quarterback still like I don't I don't know if you know a new offensive system or a new coordinator or, or what will, will be good for Nikozi Perry I mean we'll kind of see what happens there especially if he enters next year as the QB1 also Jaron Williams is still floating around out there and he was a really highly rated recruit so is he I coming mean, back then I guess I, I guess when there's some there was some rumor about him transferring at one point I don't know yeah, there were there were rumors floating around. I guess he hasn't officially entered the portal. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. The quarterback situation at Miami remains kind of the same in my eyes. It's like, okay, there's a lot of talent, but you know whether or not they produce will kind of hinge their season one way or another. It will definitely determine just how serious the Canes will be contending in the Coastal. I mean, shit, we saw what would happen this year with you know all this talent they had returning on defense and turnover chain coming back and out you know all the front seven and a, and a young secondary and Manny Diaz and you know they got all this talent on offense and Jeff Thomas is really good and they have Travis Homer and they're going to go 11 and 1 and then they Whoops. didn't and then they couldn't find a quarterback to complete like 40% of his passes even so I don't know. I agree with you. It doesn't change much maybe right away. I think it could potentially change the fortunes of Miami down the line if Martell ends up being as good as advertised. But we'll have to see if he's going to be immediately eligible. That's that's a big, big part of this. I think I'm squarely in show-me mode with the Miami quarterback situation until until further notice. That's fine. I mean, Mark Rick couldn't figure it out, which – you know, he's struggled with quarterback decisions in the past, but it's uh, it's something. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of in your camp. I think we just got to see what happens rather than sit here and speculate at this point. Yep. Yep. Time will tell. Uh, Mike, that's all I got on the transfer portal. Let's keep moving here. Uh, we've got some staffs that have been assembled. Uh, we had some coaching changes, some coaching turnover in the ACC, and there's uh, a couple stats we need to hit on here. First of all, uh, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, Jeff Collins has assembled his staff and uh, had to reassemble a couple pieces of it as, as guys have kind of cut and run uh, pretty quickly. But uh, Jeff Collins has his staff. Uh, he brought, I think, about five assistants with him from Temple. Uh, that's Dave Padno, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Andrew Thacker, uh, Nathan Burton, uh, Larry Knight, and Chris Wiesahan. Um, but beyond that, he really went uh, Georgia Tech experience heavy on the staff. He brought alumnus Brent Key over from Alabama. That was a huge hire for him. He brought Tashard Choice, former Georgia Tech running back from North Texas. Uh, brought in Marco Coleman, former defensive lineman for Georgia Tech. He brought in Kerry Dixon, former wide receiver for Georgia Tech. Um, really good to have, I think, some uh, – it really helps with the recruiting message, I think, to have those guys on the staff and they can speak to the school and what it's done for them and all that. Uh, and then lastly, he brought in, maybe most importantly, Mike, um, cornerbacks and defensive special teams coordinator, Jeff Popovich, who is is very important here because he is a former candidate on The Bachelorette. That seems relevant and important. Yeah, that's that's meaningful here. Meaningful. Long, long lost cousin of Greg Popovich, uh, yeah. San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. basketball coach. That's right. That's right. right. Better looking too, I think. Apparently, I would I would probably agree, um, <laughs> but we'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, generally, Mike, I, I have thoughts on this staff, and here's the thing: it is it is very apparent to me that he he brought in these guys largely based on you know did they have a rep, a reputation as good recruiters, strong recruiters, right? Um, most of these guys have very strong reputations as recruiters. Um, I think that with this coaching staff, you are about to see the ceiling of what Georgia Tech can do in terms of recruiting. People love to talk about them being in the South, being in Atlanta, load, you know, all this talent around, blah, 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 blah. 
with some, you know, some limitations or some, um, some challenges that come along with it. But at the very least, I don't know that you could really ask for a, a you could reasonably ask for a staff here that is going to do more than this staff will be able to do in terms of recruiting. Um, now, that being said, my concern is this. Um, Bill Conley loves to talk about how in terms of putting together a, a really good football team, there are really three components that, that have to be addressed. Uh, number one is talent acquisition. Number two is talent development. Number three is talent uh, deployment. So acquisition, there's the recruiting piece, right? But beyond that, you've got to figure out how to develop those players, make them better, make them understand your system, all that stuff. And then you've got to put them in a system where they can succeed. You've got to have a, a really good scheme for them to play within. And you, you've seen in the past where teams can recruit exceptionally well, but they don't scheme them particularly well, and, and players don't really develop, and the whole thing falls apart. But the example that I really thought of was the last couple of years under Butch Jones at Tennessee. They recruited exceptionally well, and they could not put it together on the field. And, and that's the kind of thing that worries me when I hear all these guys are these really well-noted recruiters, but they are not necessarily noteworthy schemers. You know, they, they, I – I don't know really what the the scheme is going to look like. I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to run some uh, you know revolutionary scheme that will put them in, in the place to succeed. You know, at least not as a certainty at this point. So that's really the thing that concerns me is is okay if they're going to get you know as good a players as Georgia Tech had asked for. That's great. I just want to I, I need to see something to know that they're going to be able to do something with them and that this will be a, a really successful coaching tenure and coaching staff. Uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, my whole thing is like Jeff Collins can coach Joey and, um, mm -hmm. he's had really good defenses for a while. He, he has, uh, you go back to Florida state sixth rank in scoring defense in 2016, 11th rank scoring defense in 2015, uh, goes, takes over at temple. Um, as soon as Matt rule leaves and you know, you're, you know, you got, a roster that's not exactly veteran laden and you go seven and six in year one he goes eight and four last year uh won a bowl game his first year won the gasparilla bowl um in the 20 i guess that's 2017 season uh he hires all these recruiters i think the defense will be really good like i said before this this is completely predicated on the offense i think it'll take some time at georgia tech joey um, we talked about the schedule a little bit. I, I think they'll be good next season. I think it'll take a year or two before, you know, we see Jeff Collins start to get the guys that kind of fit what he wants to do and what his staff wants to do most importantly on offense. And I think that's really going to be the determining factor on how good Georgia tech is moving forward. Uh, I like the point that you made about the recruiting ability, uh, of the members of his staff. And we're going to see how good Georgia tech can be recruiting in the area where they are which we haven't seen uh, at least in you know last 10 years under Paul 10 or 12 years, however long it was under Paul Johnson. Uh, you know, they had some okay recruiting classes, but they could have done better considering where they're located, I think. And so it'll be interesting. I think Georgia tech's in a really good spot. I think they're putting, I think they've already put together one of the best staffs at the very least in the coastal division. Um, I think that they have an opportunity to, the staff has an opportunity to hit a very high ceiling just based on the talent that they're bringing in. Uh, I didn't think of it in the way you did with the Butch Jones analogy. I think that's a good one though. If we're trying to think of how this thing could go sideways, I think that's a pretty good example. Um, but again, it's, it's time will tell. I'm really excited for the Georgia tech fan base. I, I think this is the hires that her he's making here are, are strategic and what he's doing makes a lot of sense to me anyway, as a guy who has no rooting interest in Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's a program that hasn't recruited well, Joey, and I think they can with the staff they're putting together. They're putting together a staff with a lot of guys who have had success elsewhere, bringing in top-tier talent. I think mm -hmm. they can do that at Georgia Tech if they do this thing right, and I think that's the goal, um, at least in the first couple of years, to get this thing heading in a direction where Georgia Tech fans can expect regularly to get beyond a seven or eight win um, ex expectancy. They can, you know, maybe make the jump to eight, nine, ten wins. And that, that's what they're 
that's what their goal is here um, to kind of break that ceiling that Paul Johnson set with that triple option offense that he ran and the recruiting shortcomings they had along the way. So I'll ask you as a fan of a division rival, you know, you look at the staff that they put together and kind of what Collins history is and says and all this, you know, maybe not for 2019, but you look at, I don't know, 2021, are you thinking, man, Virginia Tech might be in trouble if, you know, if Georgia Tech really gets this thing rolling? I mean, they have trouble with Georgia Tech already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but uh, backing it up a step, um, you know, it doesn't affect Virginia Tech's recruiting, really. They're not recruiting the same area. I mean, you know, you know that anyway. But, um, I, you know, I think Virginia Tech will continue to get good players. I think Virginia Tech will continue to struggle with Georgia Tech. I, you know, I don't think that that'll change anytime, anytime soon. I, I just think, you know, I think it's probably easier to recruit to Virginia Tech than it is to Georgia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech has, you know, you know, we've talked about this before, Virginia Tech and their academic requirements. I mean, Virginia Tech's a good school, um, a very good engineering school, but they can get their football players in. You know, you mentioned Georgia Tech being academically narrow in the past, which is something that, you know, I've referred to a lot in discussions I've had just with friends of mine about, you know, teams in the coastal division that we, you know, Virginia Tech competes against regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, For Georgia Tech to be academically narrow, I mean, that's an excellent point. Um, and who they are and aren't able to bring in. But with that being said, I think Georgia Tech's going to do an excellent job recruiting with the staff. And I think the talent now on the field is going to be better than it was before. Now it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, the coaching staff that is in place can coach the talent that they're recruiting. And that's really what it boils down to. Fair enough. I'll allow it. Cool. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring up with uh, this Jeff Collins staff that he's put together is a lot of Georgia Tech fans that have seen there's a lot more of like a social media presence with him and the staff. Um, and it's it's so like, you know, almost seemingly over the top that it kind of comes off as like a shtick, you know, of, of sorts. Um, there's some people that are kind of rolling their eyes at it or whatever, wondering kind of what this whole thing is. And I, I would just say that I think, you know, you you're you're maybe a little bit thrown off by this because it's so starkly different from what the previous staff was doing. But honestly, this is kind of what a normal like college football staff and, and program looks like in 2019, right? Is promoting itself on social media and, and doing a lot of things to try to engage not only the fans, but especially really, you know, the, the, the recruits, right? The, the high school players that are trying to differentiate one school from another and one program for another they want to go play for. So um, if it seems over the top and you're wondering why the coaching staff is at Waffle House like six times a week, um, maybe first of all, look into, you know, going to like, you know, uh, a cardiologist or something like that, because the uh, the blood pressure is, is going to be going through the roof. But um, at the same time, I mean, it just it is what it is. Again, they're trying to separate themselves and differentiate themselves and uh, have some fun. So it, it is what it is. Uh, let's move on, Mike, to Louisville, where Scott Satterfield has assembled his staff, uh, really brought a lot of guys over with him from Appalachian State, uh, but had a couple of, of key folks joining him. Um, number one is Dwayne Ledford. He'll be their offensive coordinator. He came over from NC State, uh, where he departs Dave Doran's staff. Uh, defensive coordinator is Brian Brown, who came over from App State, and then Court Dennison, a co-defensive coordinator. He returns to Louisville. He'd been a coach there for quite a while um, and, and rejoins after taking a year and going to Oregon. Uh, I guess he wanted off of Bobby Petrino's staff, but uh, Colt Dennison, really strong recruiter <laughs> and had done well. Hard to, hard to blame him there. Uh, yeah. I, I, to some degree, I wonder why anybody wouldn't want to work with Bobby Petrino, but on others, you know, I respect people's personal decisions, Mike. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, beyond that, shade on Brown, Stu Holt, Mark Ivey, Dale Jones, Norval McKenzie, Frank Ponce, uh, also on the staff here. And then Satterfield, I think, still has one more assistant to hire. So um, we'll keep you updated as that happens. But generally, I, I think it makes sense for a guy like Satterfield, you know, who had a, a pretty regimented program going, you know, in the Appalachian Mountains. I mean, just kind of come over to Louisville and keep a lot of the same thing going. Um I think a lot of this makes sense for, for Scott Satterfield. Yeah. And I think, you know, hiring guys who he has some level of familiarity with one way or another is probably the way to go here. Um, mixing in guys who have familiarity with Louisville, I think is important there. We just talked about that with Jeff Collins. 
um, and why that mattered. I think it's the same case here with Louisville and Louisville. We talk about this all the time. Joey did the stadium renovations a couple of years back. They have the facilities. They're able to attract the top tier talent. Satterfield's a good coach. We've seen it at App State. I'm really interested to see how this turns out here at Louisville because I think there is definitely an opportunity for him to really take the program to the next level. And uh, they're going to be a team that not a lot of people are going to be talking about in the Atlantic next year. And maybe it will take a year or two, but man, there is still some talent there at Louisville, Joey, on the roster right now. And if they're able to recruit some more of it, this is a team that could be a factor in the Atlantic division once again, sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's there's potential there. Um, definitely some potential there for Scott Satterfield to really get it going there. So we'll have to see um, kind of how that's able to turn out. Uh, at Miami, Manny Diaz has assembled his staff. And by assembled his staff, I mean mostly retained Mark Rick's old staff with a couple of major changes. Uh, Diaz comes back. He hired uh, Dan Enos as his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, Enos was the quarterback's coach for Nick Saban at Alabama this year, uh, formerly a head coach himself. But um, it was interesting because, and this kind of caught me off guard, Mike, is that uh, Dan Enos was kind of tapped to be the offensive coordinator with Mike Loxley leaving to go to Maryland. And he ended up leaving Alabama to come to Miami to basically take the same role and as far as I can tell, there just seems to be a certain stigma about working for Saban that it really wears thin on people pretty quick. And that's probably a, a major motivator for this move for Danny Ness. Yeah, there were some rumors that he left and didn't tell Saban. I don't know how true or untrue that is, but mm-hmm. there is there's a uh, popular rumor that might be fact flying around currently that Nick Saban found out that Enos was leaving because he didn't show up to a staff meeting. And was and like gone in the middle of the night. Yeah. Gone in the middle of the night, which Danny knows has flat out denied at this point. I, I don't know <laughs> who knows what the real story is. I'm not sure we'll ever know what the real story is. Regardless, he goes to Miami. You mentioned the fatigue with, with uh, coaches that, you know, work with Nick Saban. How about Steve Sarkeesian? Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian pulling a 180, going back to coach with Nick Saban. That's, uh, <laughs> That's some real uh, reputation rehabilitation I think you're trying to do right there. Right. I It worked the first time. It got him an NFL job. So, I, you know, didn't work out for him there for your Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Could be could be more happy getting the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. But um, he's back in college where he's had pretty solid success. So, I mean, I think that makes sense for Alabama. Meanwhile, Dan Eno's going to Miami. Uh, yeah, should be should be fine. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I, I don't know. It's it's one of these things where, like we talked about with quarterbacks, we'll believe it when you see it, and we'll see how it all pans out. It, it's got to be an upgrade, you would think. But I really I would, mean, yeah. We said the same thing about Van Gorder replacing Sermon at Louisville. We said it's probably an upgrade until it's not. Yeah, yeah and it wasn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, so I was having a discussion with one of our listeners on Twitter when this whole thing came out. Um, I believe it was Cody Mills, who's a Miami guy. Um, if, you, if you go back and look, he was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas from 2015 to 2017. And, I, like, his offenses there weren't bad, but they weren't great either. Like, they were borderline, you know, like roughly top 40 kind of offenses. Um I think his first year, it was like a top 10 offense. It was really good. And then the next two years, it was like, you know, very bottom of the 30s or, you know, upper 40s kind of area. So not great, but not terrible either. Honestly, on some level at at Miami, you don't need a great offense with as good as their defense is and has been, uh, especially with Manny Diaz sticking around. So either way, I I expect this will probably work for Miami, at least better than what Mark Ricks had going. So we'll have to see. Um, keep in mind that this is all going on while also Manny Diaz is a first-time head coach. So that that continues to be fascinating to me. That not that he got a chance and that he's going to be a head coach, but more that uh, Miami was looking to give it to him right off the bat, uh, as opposed to taking somebody that had some experience. But in any case, uh, remainder of Miami staff: Blake Baker is the defensive coordinator. He came over from Louisiana Tech, uh, and then a lot of the guys other than that were just retained. You know, Ephraim Banda, Jeff Simpson. 
Jonathan Patkey, Butch Berry, Eric Hickson, Mike Rumpf, Taylor Stubblefield, and Field. Field. Someone Field. Field. This is whatever. Blah. Professional podcast, Mike. Professional. Do, 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 do. Not Stubblefield. Regular Field. Uh, Stubblefield of the Dana variety now. Mm-hmm. Steven Field. There it is. He's your tight ends coach. Steven Field. Steve Field. Steve Field, if you're listening to this, my bad. Joey's bad. <laughs> we'll try to be better. Shout out Steve Field. Yeah. No chance he's listening to this. Uh, probably not. Yeah. Um, otherwise, Mike, last staff to hit turnover-wise, NC State. Uh, NC State's had some staff turnover. So we already told you before that Eli Drinkwitz is going to Appalachian State as their head coach. Um, he took with him Ted Roof. Uh, who's going there as their defensive coordinator? <laughs> Good luck, App State. Oh man! Good if you love throwing, luck. you love throwing your remote through the television and blowing fourth quarter leads. Oh boy! Oh boy! Do we have a defensive coordinator do for you? I have a defensive scheme for you. Uh, other than that, offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford heads out and goes to Louisville, uh, and then he also lost the tight ends coach and replacing them, Mike, uh, quarterbacks coach Kurt Roper. Uh, formerly of Duke, as well as, you know, Florida and South Carolina, several others. Offensive line coach is John Garrison. Uh, tight ends, Todd Goble. And safeties, Tony Gibson. Uh, a lot of these guys coming from several other places. So Roper from Colorado, Garrison from Florida Atlantic. Goble from Marshall, Gibson from West Virginia. Um, I like that a couple of these guys are kind of from the area and have got some recruiting, you know, roots in, in the area. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm a little curious at this point to see how sustainable Dave Doran's tenure at NC State is moving forward. Um, I think we, we typically would have thought that he would have, you know, would always be leaving on his own terms at some point, And he seems like he's tried to kind of find an exit at some point. But we'll have to see. I don't know. It feels like, you know, he's he's probably uh, at least as we look out who are the next five coaches, you know, that are going to change positions uh, in the ACC that that job might be one of the next five that changes. Uh, it feels like one way or the other, he's going to be out sooner than later. Yeah. And it, this is uh, I'll group this into the Larry Fedora category where I think Doran's a pretty good coach. It just might run its course. Um, I think that's where we could end up with NC state. Uh, I think it's safe to say they're in for a step back um, heading into next season. Just, considering what they're losing on both sides of the football, considering what they're losing on their coaching staff. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for Dave Doran. And, you know, he has had trouble in the past, even with his most talented rosters, getting the most out of them. Um, they've always been solid NC state, but they've never really taken the jump that you would expect NC state to take, uh, you know, when they've had the top tier talent on their roster. So, now that you're losing that talent and you're replacing a lot of members of your coaching staff, there's going to be a little bit of a lull. And I think 2019 is the year where we see the lull for NC State and how quickly they do or do not come out of it is really going to determine whether or not Dave Doran has some staying power there as the head coach. Yeah, it's it's a pretty critical juncture here. Again, trying to rebuild the the coaching staff a little bit as well as just the offensive side of the ball. Um, it's, it's very much a juncture, you know, I, I think either they do it and it turns out well, and, and, um, uh, he finds a job elsewhere, you know, kind of tries to take a step up or it doesn't go great. And NC state's going to get rid of him, you know, but I think the comment that you made about this thing kind of seeming like it's starting to run its course. I think that's probably the right way of putting it. I think maybe both sides are looking for something a little new at some point or other. And maybe I'm totally misrepresenting NC state fans here, you know, so if that's the case and you're an NC state fan, you're screaming at your radio right now saying no 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 we love dave dorn we want him to stay forever uh please hit us up twitter at fgrs joey or at mike mcdaniel cfb uh, i want to hear what you have to say I, I i'm curious to hear the nc state take on this right now right also would love to have him on yeah yeah come yeah. get it yeah let's do get it. will thompson back on at some point oh i like will will's a good dude we should bring him on to talk talk this little dave dorn situation here in the offseason at some point I dig it. I dig it. Will, if you're listening, hit us up. Standing invitation. And if you're not listening, we'll talk to you shortly. <laughs> we'll, we'll find you. We'll find you. We'll Don't worry. We'll find you. 
Uh, Mike, last thing we got on the on the docket, maybe arguably the most important thing. Um, Clemson, your national champions, made their trip to the White House. Yes, they boy, did. They were eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, well done. Well, you like that? You like that? Really well done. And for those of you who don't get it, stop listening. <laughs> Clemson oh, made their no. ceremonial trip to, to the White House. And you know what? what's really sad about this, Mike? What's really, really sad is that as much as we're going to sit here and talk about the fact that Clemson was eating fast food in the White House, like there's literally just piles of like Big Macs and Whoppers and Chick-fil-A and great, all this great stuff. American, great American food. Yeah. Uh, eating good in the neighborhood is the slogan for Applebee's. And even with them eating fast food, I'm pretty sure they're eating better than Applebee's would have been. Oh, my God. Now, the interesting part about this is this got a lot of play and a lot of run on social media mm-hmm. about how, like, they couldn't believe that they served them fast food. But then we've heard nothing really from the Clemson players <laughs> complaining about the fast food. In fact, they like literally they were ba 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 loving it, loving it. Man, this is going to turn into a whole pun segment, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, they they like were living up. They they loved it. Uh, they really did. I yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. The reaction to it and the strong opinions to it are amazing. Um, but the Clemson players didn't seem to care. Which at the end of the day, they're the ones eating it, and um. Apparently, there were some teams in the past that didn't even get fed at the White House. It's just interesting that this was the choice and mm-hmm. and fast food was the move. Uh, and then Trump calling it great American food. Like, <laughs> made hey, hell yeah. I it's mean, America's <laughs> gift to the world, man. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, we got McDonald's. We got, uh, you know, we had, they had what? McDonald's, Burger King. They had Wendy's. Oh, I mean, no. hell yeah. Like, let's do this damn thing. Just. It was bizarre, really bizarre. Yeah. Uh, shout out Matt Bockhorse, uh, offensive guard for Clemson. He was caught uh, looking at, you know, lo- looking at some uh, a pile of Big Macs. Like I hope my my wife looks at me when I'm not looking, right? Like, like really like interested in these Big Macs, right? And and people caught that. And he uh, he quote tweeted on Twitter said. I mean, you're not just going to not eat the Big Mac stacked in a big pile, right? And somebody made mention of, like, oh, I'm, I would have taken one home. He said, oh, I pocketed two chicken wraps and a quarter pounder. Which, I mean, maybe I'll just say that at work tomorrow, you know? Yeah, yeah. How's your day going? Well, I pocketed two chicken wraps and a quarter pounder, so it could be a hell of a lot worse. Look, there's a filet of fish in there, too. They had everything, all these bases they covered. Had, all the bases were covered, you know? If you don't like meat, if you don't like, if you don't like meat, all good. We got fish, you know. Absolutely. Oh, you're watching your weight. Oh, we got chicken wrap for you. <laughs> uh, we got water. Those carbs. Yeah, we got water. I'm sure we had some soda. Man, if you wanted to pop, you know. What a time one. to be alive. Pop. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. Yeah, we'll throw some Midwest references in there for you. <laughs> um. Anyway. Wild, yeah, so wild times. Mike, if you, if you were going to the White House and you got to request a meal to be made, what 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 are you requesting here? Are we talking straight from the fast food? Are we talking in general? Eh, no, just in general. No, you're gonna have a, a meal at the White House in your honor, and, and you know that's that's a nicer thought than you're on death row and you get your last meal and what's it gonna be? Yeah, that's... So you're going to, you're going to the White House to be honored. What's your last meal at the White House? Filet mignon, hundo p. Filet mignon. I'm more of, a, more of a ribeye guy myself. Okay. Okay. But definitely steak. I think steak is the right right call there. If it were if it were something more in in this Texas region of the world, it would probably be. I could probably throw in some some brisket or some ribs or something like that. Right. Get the good right. stuff going. But other and, than that. and then and then how about your fast food choice? Fast food choice, uh, probably Chick Fil A. Yep. Um. Arguably, Canes. Canes counts as, chick- as, as uh, fast food, right? Uh, yeah, we'll count it. I'll allow okay. it. Um, I think Cookout could also find its way into the power rankings there as well. Had Cookout the other night. I was very drunk. Ooh. That's, that's like, the right time to have Cookout. I felt like that was important to say, so I said it. <laughs> 
What uh, what, what would your fast food choice be? Uh, Chick Fil A's up there for me too. I feel like you know you're from the Atlanta area. I feel like if you don't say Chick Fil A, you know you're gonna get hung. Yeah. So that's probably the correct answer. If I was trying uh, to make it a, make it on a Jeff Collins staff, I'd be saying Waffle House because apparently right. that's the answer to every question there. Very high on my list, Waffle House mm-hmm. as well. There's one in Blacksburg. Um, also had that very drunk multiple times. I'm guessing that's like the only place you've ever been at two in the morning and had to wait like an hour for a table. That's correct. That is yep. absolutely correct. Yep. 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 It's the same everywhere. Been there, done that. Yep. Um, multiple more times than you can even imagine. Luckily, I was friends with a doorman, and he hooked me up. And yes, Waffle House on Georgia Tech's campus had a doorman. Nice. That, that's more where nice. we were at. Love, more lovingly referred to as bouncer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, to Mike, that's all I got. To put it, del- to, to put it delicately. Yeah. <laughs> put it delicately, bouncer. It's a formal title. It's on his business card. Correct. Uh, that's all I got too. We should probably get out of here before uh, we get ourselves in any trouble here. Before we wreck any more trains. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mike, this has been good. Uh, we covered almost everything that we had on the docket, but we had a couple other things that are a little less timely that we'll talk about here as we uh, work our way through the offseason. So for those still kind of wondering or unaware, um, we we do continue to produce these podcasts throughout the offseason, usually once a month or a little more frequently. So uh, keep, your, keep your podcast machine tuned to the Basketball Conference Podcast for ACC football updates and uh, among other things. Um, we will uh, we'll keep you covered here. We got uh, some early Heisman odds that we can hit on next time. We got some uh, recruiting rankings and how teams perform compared to them. So we're, uh, we're going to hit on those things here when we come back uh, in a few weeks at some point. I don't know. We'll, we'll be there. Um, Mike, we're going to get out of here. We're going to come back and, and hopefully before National Signing Day. But if not, we'll, we'll talk National Signing Day stuff. But in yep. the meantime... Uh, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, hit them with the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Yes, please. Please do. Please do. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube if you so choose. Just go search for Basketball Conference Podcast and hit subscribe, uh, and it'll notify you when we're going to do no, do more shows, and you can come watch us live if that's a thing you'd like to do. Uh, I am repping the one winning Atlanta sports team right now. The, uh, the Them five stripes won the MLS I, Cup. What's up? Uh, I mean, that's where championships are made or something. Yeah, that's right. That's Some, something inspirational. Town of City of Champions, Atlanta. City of Champions. City of Champions. Hell city yeah. of Division Champions. That's yes. That's yes. It. Go All right. Let's, Mike, let's get out of here before I got to go cry. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to go cry and I got to get out of here for it. Sounds good, man. All right. We'll talk soon. Uh, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.